KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Jim Melward, the Suburban Bureau Chief at KYW News Radio. And I'm Tom Rickert. I'm the producer of In Depth. I'm a little bit out of the loop on the vaccine rollout. You know, I'm a barely 30 something and kind of resigned to getting vaccinated by Christmas, hopefully, or <laughs> whenever it's my turn. But um, right now, you know, we're, we're around the Philadelphia area. Uh, both of us are live in the, in the suburbs around Philadelphia. And a lot of people in Pennsylvania are, are trying to get their vaccine who, who are eligible. People who are immunocompromised, other high risk people, healthcare workers. And a lot of them are, are running into complications and, and frustrations. And you've been sharing a lot about this. What's going on right now in Pennsylvania for people who are trying to get vaccinated? Yeah, and this is personal for me. I, I, I wanted to get my mom, 75 years old. Uh, I wanted to get her signed up. And we have a family friend who has health issues and also has a job that puts her uh, at risk. Uh, and and so, you know, I, I dealt with this firsthand. And, and there's a couple of things that you're hearing. First off, you mentioned the, the people who are eligible. And originally it was healthcare workers and people over 75. Uh, and then Pennsylvania, uh, based on federal advice, expanded that to everyone over 65, anyone 16 to 64 with health issues, uh, which sounds great, except there was already a shortage of vaccine. People were already having trouble finding it. And you moved this gigantic group of people ahead of essential workers like teachers or postal workers or other people who are at risk because of their jobs. So, so that was number one. Number two is the way that they're doing it, where there's not a centralized registry or a centralized signup. Uh, they're they're using pharmacies and doctor's offices, which when you when you talk to people who plan for public health, they say that's great if there's enough vaccine to go around. It's great to have it in the community so you can go down the street to your local pharmacy. But because there's this massive shortage of vaccine and and, and there's no central registry. People are forced now to sign up with the county and then sign up with all these different pharmacies uh, to the point where I was signing people up and I was forgetting, you know, wait, did I do this one already? I don't remember. And, and so, you know, that's obviously a problem. I know my way around the Internet. My 75-year-old mother, not so much. And this family friend, not at all. And she didn't have anyone to help her. So the frustrating thing is they talk about equality and efficiency, and, and this is neither. Because if you don't have someone who can navigate the internet, then it's not going to work for you. And it's definitely not efficient when you have people signing up on multiple lists. It sounds like something that looked really good on paper, but then as soon as it, as soon as it sort of got rolled out, you immediately saw all of the flaws that, that weren't so obvious. Yeah. One of the expectations with the expansion uh, was that the federal Operation Warp Speed program was going to throw open the warehouse doors and there were all these second doses waiting there that could be rolled out. And then we found out with the transition from the Trump administration to the Biden administration, those warehouses didn't really exist and those second doses really weren't sitting somewhere. So they expanded the eligibility, expecting an expansion of supply. That expansion of supply never happened. We're still in the expanded uh, eligibility. All right. So this episode, sort of what I'm, what I want to do with this episode, you sent me an interview you did with a state senator. It was all about the vaccine rollout issues in, you know, sort of outside of Philadelphia, which is its own, its own sort of 
many state within the state as far as di distribution goes. I thought it was fascinating. I thought there's a lot of good information in it. And I think that um, probably the best way to do it is for us to just go through this interview and then you provide context and to explain some of the things that you talked about. Because out of context, it's, you know, you're, you're not quite following all these all these stories. So who did you speak to? What was, you know, what was sort of like the reason for for doing this interview? Um, what kind of questions were you, were you asking and wanted to get answered? So this, this interview is with uh, State Senator Maria Collett, a Democrat from Montgomery and Bucks counties, her, uh, from both her, her district straddles, both counties. And, and I reached out to her after a, a state Senate hearing that featured uh, Pennsylvania's acting health secretary, Allison Beam. And what was interesting about Senator Collette is she has a background in healthcare. She worked for, for a, a nursing home uh, and dealt with vaccine. So because she had that background, because she was an infection control nurse at the, at a nursing home, I, I thought that her questions were, were more pointed and her take uh, which was similar to other state senators, bipartisan. This wasn't just Democrats or Republicans kind of taking a side. Everyone seemed frustrated at, at, at a perceived lack of answers, uh, a lack of specific answers, I should say, uh, from the, the acting uh, health secretary. And so, so after I heard her line of questioning and, and realized her background, I, I thought that it would be interesting to dive deeper with her on how this this rollout is going and uh, the struggles. And look, everybody's struggling. Uh, every state in the country is, is struggling. This is a massive undertaking. Just the, the size and scope of this is breathtaking. So there are going to be issues. But again, the, the frustration from lawmakers and from other people, other public health officials, is every state's struggling, but Pennsylvania seems to be struggling more than everyone else is. So with that in mind that that's that's kind of the basis of this interview all right so we'll we'll be pausing this throughout and sort of talking about and explaining different things but here's here's your interview with say senator collette have you been hearing from people trying to i've been trying to to sign up friends and family uh through the the pa provider map and and it's even more difficult now because there's not even it used to be able to sign up on wait lists now a lot of these don't even have those wait lists anymore it is incredibly frustrating, and I do hear from people every single day. Um, and these are people who are within the age category, people who are within the underlying health condition category, uh, people who are healthcare providers, as you pointed out, Jim. And this is the this is the issue: people aren't able to even get into the queue. Some people have said to me, "Look, I'm willing to wait if I have some sense of how many people are ahead of me, where I stand in line," and that's part of the frustration as well. All of that goes to uh, this transparency, this accountability, this understanding by the general public of how this rollout is occurring, so that there is a little bit of ease in uh, your sense of, "Look, I understand it's going to be a long wait, but I'm confident that the system is working to." be effective and be equitable. And I know I'm eventually going to get it. I think that's where the disconnect is. A lot of people aren't feeling that trust in the protocols and the system as it's currently operating. So all, all of that, that kind of seems fair to you. That's what you've been hearing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, there are a few issues there. Again, you have to sign up because there's no wait lists. You have to be right place, right time which means you have to spend a lot of time on these websites. You have to email just at the right time. And 
if you're talking and, and, you know, I asked the governor this, we, we aired a clip of me asking the governor the same question of, of you talk about equality and efficiency, but the person who's driving a school bus or delivering mail or stocking grocery store shelves can't sit in front of a computer all day and hit refresh. So how is that equitable? Where's the equity in that? Those are the people that we're supposed to be targeting. The people who have health conditions, who are over 65 working those, those front-facing jobs. We call them essential, but we've set up the system that, that gives them no help. If they don't have somebody helping them, they have no chance. Hmm. Yeah. We can take that farther. We can get into Montgomery County where you can jump the line. And if you know, if you have any kind of know-how, you know, you can get a link and, and jump the line, which 138,000 people are signed up expecting to be waiting in line, but I can get you an appointment for tomorrow. How does that work? It's the, the state software that they're using. The thing called PrepMod isn't designed for this. It's designed for if you run a, if you run a doctor's office, uh, and you're signing up your whole doctor's office, I send you the print mod link and you sign everybody up. They're using that to schedule. So now if I'm eligible and I get Montgomery County to send me, or, or if I'm eligible, if I signed up for Montgomery County and they email me and say, Hey, it's your turn. Here's a link. I can send that. I can sign myself up and then I can send that out to everybody and everybody can sign up on that same link as long as their appointments available. And there are ways to game the website to keep, doing it until you find an available appointment. So again, if you have someone who knows their way around a website, then there's a good chance that, that they can find you an appointment. Um, a 75 year old mother certainly could not do that on her own, even though she's the person that's supposed to be targeted here. And it's time consuming. Obviously that is not the system as it was designed. Right. There, there are so many design flaws. And when you ask about them, you get the same answer of, oh, well, we're always trying to improve the system. Yet, there are no specifics on the improvement. And that's what, what Senator Collette discusses here, is that while we're hearing over and over again from, from health officials that while we're working on it, there don't seem to be the specifics. And in Senator Collette's uh, case, the legislature is asking, how can we help? And they don't feel that they're getting any kind of, well, we need X, Y, Z. Here's how the legislature can help. So there's, you know, when they talk about working with their partners, that they seem, who are those partners, I guess, is, is kind of an unanswered question. All right. So the the next question in this interview, you were doing the interview with with somebody else. So what, why, why don't you just introduce the next voice we're going to hear? Yeah, uh, our, uh, our, our partner uh, station, NBC10, Deanna Durante uh, and I overlap quite often in, in our coverage. And so rather than uh, making the senator go through this twice, we we set it up so that we were both on together. Uh, so this is Deanna Durante from NBC10. When you talk about equity and the way the system is, you specifically brought up pharmacies and the fact that some of them were vaccinating outside the group and that they were still getting vaccines. This to me is part of the issue that the supply chain is really so broken up uh, and that there are so many moving parts to it that it is very difficult to figure out where accountability and transparency need to come from. And to be very frank, my understanding of the supply chain uh, may be flawed as well. But these are questions I have asked of the department um, time and time again. And, I, and I'm not sure I'm getting a very clear response. And that's where the frustration is for me, for the constituents I represent, but for Pennsylvanians on the whole. 
All right, so Jim, you're you're reacting to this on our on our Zoom chat. What what do you think about what she's saying? She's making such a great point because those are the questions that people have that people are not getting an answer to. And when the Department of Health is asked whether it's 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 the press briefings that they do or at the Senate hearing, it's it's kind of a non-answer while we're working on ways to improve the situation, but the, but that's not really what the question is. The question which she just specifically said, which again, we don't have the inside info that the state has. So they, if they could share it with us, if they could explain, you know, why what we're perceiving is wrong, that would go a long way because then we can turn around as she's saying to her constituents, us, to our listeners, why that perception is wrong. If it's correct, then we can turn around and her to our constituents and us to our listeners and explain what the state's doing to correct it. But we're getting neither of those. And, and that's where the frustration is with this, again, this, this seeming uh, uh, lack of, of, of answer, uh, kind of you know, getting talking points uh, instead of, 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 of answers, not just the press, but as you're hearing from Senator Collette, uh, you know, the, these, these Senate hearings as well. I, I'm going to ask you to, to to speculate wildly. I know you're not in the uh, in the business of doing that as a reporter. Um, how much of these frustrations, just like you know your your gut instinct, your judgment, how much of these are a, are a communication failure, and how much of these are a are a design failure? That's a great question. And again, I think the design failure is goes back to this is just such a massive undertaking. There are bound to be flies in the ointment, ghosts in the machine. There, that, that's going to happen. The communication part has to come in to say, yeah, look, we know there are issues. We knew there were going to be issues. This is what we're doing to fix them. And so that the perception then becomes, because the communication isn't there, that the fix isn't there. And, and we can't tell if the problems are being fixed because the communication, you know, it, it's okay to say, we don't know. Like that's an acceptable answer and it's common in public health, but we don't seem to be getting that. The next question you ask her about what she thinks about the set of this whole system. Um, and you start off by saying with your vaccine background, um, what are your thoughts overall? And you've touched on it here and there. What are your thoughts overall on this 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 provider system that they've set up with a bunch of smaller pharmacies, doctors' offices, counties, instead of having a more centralized distribution? That's every time. I don't. I don't want to digress too much, but I think that's so refreshing when you know there's somebody who is an elected official who also uh, kind of knows what they're talking about for a specific thing. Like every time I have to watch one of these big tech hearings in Congress and hear these like 80 year old senators ask Mark Zuckerberg what the internet is. It is so embarrassing and it's so hard to, it's so hard to watch this happen. So <laughs> let's be clear. I mean, just because she has the background doesn't mean she has all the answers. But I, again, I think the key, what you're hearing here is that, that she has the question. Sure. And that's the important thing is what questions should we be asking? What questions should we be trying to answer? I have to say, number one, I respect that the department wants to work with uh, local partners. I think, however, we are now nearly two months into this. And what we've seen is that 
it's not working. It's not working in the ability to hold pharmacies accountable. It's not working in the ability for mass distribution and rollout to occur at those small pharmacies that maybe they're not able to handle the uh, intake for all of the people that are trying to call and get appointments. I know for a fact that our counties, uh, counties especially with departments of health, but our county level would be able to manage that distribution a little bit more effectively. And so to me, a more centralized distribution is really key here to making sure that the community has faith in the system of this rollout. You know, when we hear that pharmacies are going to be rewarded for the number of doses they administer, so it's something like the more you give, the more you get, I think that that's part of the concern here is how many are they getting and who are they giving it to? Are they just giving to get more and are they following the protocols that they need to? One of the questions that I asked one of the pharmacy providers later in the hearing, uh, uh, he, you know, a, a retail pharmacy provider is what oversight has occurred from the Department of Health with regard to your vaccine distribution? Has the Department of Health reached out to you to make sure just a spot check to make sure that you're really, uh, you know, abiding the guidelines, that you're checking uh, dates of birth for age, that you're making sure that you, you know, understand that people that are signing up to get the vaccine are saying, hey, I have an underlying health condition that puts me in 1A. And unfortunately, the response was that there's very little oversight from DOH uh, with, with respect to retail pharmacies and how they're handling the distribution. So again, that's another breakdown in the the system, and I think it's all of these little breakdowns make uh, the community have less and less faith that this process is being handled effectively and appropriately. Anything to add there before we go on? A couple of things there. First off, she mentions the pharmacy's ability to handle scheduling and everything else. You know, a lot of these places are so overwhelmed they can't have the waiting list anymore, where you know, the county, she mentioned county health departments, Montgomery County has 138,000 people signed up. They got 1500 doses this, this, this week. So, you know, they can do up to 10,000 a week. They're asking for more, but it's spreading all over Montgomery County. And again, the inefficiency of having to sign up on multiple lists, just to, an idea of, of how confusing that is. You have Montgomery County commissioner, Dr. Val Arco saying people should sign up on every possible list they can get on. You have acting PA Acting Health Secretary Allison Beam saying they're concerned that duplicate signups are going to cause no-shows and possibly waste vaccine and it is an incredible inefficiency. So that's just an example of this pharmacy model. It, it, it'll be great when we have too much vaccine and we need to find arms to put it in, but right now we have the exact opposite. We have too many arms and not enough vaccine to go into those arms. And then the other thing that she says is the, the oversight and the concern about oversight. Uh, a, a, a pharmacy uh, owner saying, no, there really hasn't been much oversight at all. We're trusting people to say, to, to, to actually be in the group that's getting this. And, you know, not to tell people how to make the bomb, but you can walk in and say you're a smoker. I think that serves as a really good tease for the little bit of this interview that that we have left. We'll keep on going. Some of this is going to sound familiar, and then we'll break that down again. When you talk about centralized distribution, what about a centralized website or phone number? Because John's Pharmacy in Willow Grove, when you look at the state map, it's like you call or you email john at gmail.com. I'm not going to put my personal information into somebody's private Gmail account. And I'm just right. using 
as an example. It's true. And that, you know, that's one of the initial questions that we asked Acting Secretary Dean when she visited our caucus in the Senate. And unfortunately, the response that we received was that uh, the department didn't have any intention of setting up a centralized uh, website or phone number where people could call. And you heard one of my colleagues ask what happens when an elderly person who's unable to navigate the website calls the 1-800 number to get help with getting their name on the list. And the response was, well, we walk that person through the website. And, you know, again, it's it's really problematic when we're we're relying on these piecemeal approaches to getting people in a mass uh, quantity vaccinated. It, it's just making things even more difficult. And especially for people that are most in need of this vaccine, we should be figuring out ways to make it easier. We can do it. I just think there's a barrier there to feeling like the department needs to do it. So this, this to me, kind of feels like a microcosm of what we've been going through as a country for the past couple months. There doesn't seem to have been an overarching uh, central, you know, in, in the case of us as, as a nation, federal strategy to getting everyone vaccinated. It was more of a, uh, you know what, we'll let each state sort of decide what they want to do. And it seems like in Pennsylvania, maybe not on paper, but how it's actually turning out is what, we're, let, we're letting this go down to the pharmacy level where you have to email John at John's Pharmacy in order to make an appointment. Which is great if there's enough vaccine for John's Pharmacy. But what happens is, and I'm just going to use hypothetical numbers, and, and John's Pharmacy is a hypothetical place, I hope. Apologies to John if it's not. <laughs> if they're getting 100 doses and they have 2,000 customers who are eligible, well, all those customers who are going everywhere else too at the same time. So everyone's going out everywhere instead of just John's Pharmacy's customers going to John's Pharmacy and being able to get in line there. So that's where this centralized approach comes from. And the other thing about what she just said, when you talk to the Department of Health, they say they're setting up a phone line for people who don't have internet access. It's the first week of February that, that we're talking about this. We've been talking about vaccines since what, July, August, it became a reality. And you're just setting up a phone number now when you're dealing with the, the initial eligibility was 75 plus and you didn't have a phone number set up for them to register, you know, and, 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 and look, you know, in, in defense of the state, remember back when we were first talking about, about personal protective equipment, masks, masks were so hard to find. And now you can buy them anywhere, you know, a buck a mask, you know, you, you can get bundles of them for for almost nothing so this will hopefully get to that point where ppe is so easy to come by but we're not there now and so that's what again asking the questions that need to be answered uh, and also streamlining this to make it a easier for the providers and b easier for people to sign up and c easier for people to get all right enough said you have just a few more here there are still a lot of health systems and hospitals that are saying they're only taking healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. we're, we're a month plus into this. Mm -hmm. Is it time for them to be opening up? Have they had their chance to get healthcare professionals? And not saying that healthcare professionals shouldn't still be eligible, but should those places, and some of these places are still getting a lot of vaccine, uh, you know, some of them even four figures. Should they be right. opening up to other people in that A1 category? 
You know, it's hard to say. I know that we do have uh, significant barriers with regard to healthcare workers and encouraging them to get the vaccine. Again, I know that there are people in our community, healthcare workers included, that are reluctant to get the vaccine. And so I think that's part of where that gap is. There are systems that have the vaccine that is designated for healthcare workers, yet we have uh, healthcare workers who are reluctant to participate and get the vaccine that we're trying really desperately to uh, use education and encouragement to uh, get those providers uh, more comfortable with the idea of getting the vaccine. But, you know, here's the thing. Should they be opening to the general public? You know, we need to get shots in arms. And I think that's the thing that we all sort of agree with. We understand it. There has been significant, as you said, outreach over the last two months to get these healthcare workers at the top of the line, get them right at the front of the queue. And, you know, if we have excess vaccine that's just sitting in storage, it's got to get into arms. So there has to be a better mechanism for the Department of Health to look at what's out there. Where are these vaccines sitting? What do we need to do to get shots into arms? And um, maybe that's part of the, the discussion, really doing a very critical look at why are you still saving these for a population that has been encouraged, understands the need, has been reached out to, and is still not coming for the vaccine. I can't answer that question. I can say for sure that if we have vaccines sitting Uh, there has to be some greater examination on how we're going to get vaccines into arms. And that's got to be the bottom line. It's got to be the goal that everyone is working toward, shots in arms. Jim, you you wanted to react to that. Yeah. And and there's there's some nuance with with the healthcare workers because it's it's challenging. And this kind of goes back to instead of centralizing the, the, the vaccine clinics, having hospitals do it, because when they do it first, when when you reconstitute the vaccine, you have to give all the shots within six hours or you're going to throw them out. And a lot of these hospitals, we're, we're coming down off a peak, knock on wood, we're coming down uh, off, off a massive peak of hospitalizations. Those people who are healthcare workers are the people who are taking care of the people in the hospital. Those people who are administering the shots are the people who are taking care of hospital workers. So when I ask that, there's, there's a massive scheduling challenge and there's a lot of nuance that goes into that question because trying to get all those people in the same place at the same time isn't easy. And, and, and so kind of why I was asking the question is because there are still hospitals that when you click on them on the map, say healthcare workers only, we're not interested in taking anyone else. And I'm wondering if it isn't time to, to open that up and say, we're still prioritizing our people, but if you're a member of the public, give us your name and maybe we can work you into the mix here. So I don't want to demonize healthcare workers who, who haven't gotten it yet. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't think we're at the point yet. She talks about people who are hesitant to get the vaccine. I don't think we're there yet. Right. Well, that's an engineering question. You know, if you, if your vaccinations are slowing down to a trickle because you're trying to find the last of this first box and it's less efficient, it's inherently less efficient to uh, not expand to the next box. Right. Right. And again, I'm not pretending like I have the answers. Senator Collette's not pretending like she has the answers. These are the questions that, that, that we'd all like to hear more answers to. Circling back to what you talked about a couple minutes ago, getting on the lists in different places. I'm going to play the question and then we'll see um, if, if we want to expand to it before, before we hear the answer. When you talk about confusion, we heard yesterday Secretary Beam say 
Don't get on multiple lists. It jams up the system. However, here in Montgomery County, Dr. Valor Kush is saying, get on as many lists as you mm-hmm. want because the supply chain is so scattered. Mm-hmm. So if there's just so much confusion out there. What do we do? Real quick, get on as many lists as you can. What are, what are we talking about here? In Montgomery, I'll use, again, Montgomery County, basically Chester County, Bucks County, all the counties with, with health departments, there's a central, you know, the county has a list that you can sign up on. But in addition, to get the best chance of finding a vaccine, you need to sign up on each pharmacy. Some grocery store pharmacies are offering it now. Uh, doctor's offices, pretty much everywhere you can. And that's on, on PA's vaccine website. There's a map with all the little dots, and there, there are dozens, you know, in, in our area. And speaking personally, when I was signing up my mom and a a family friend, you got to the point where you'd click on one and be like, wait, I don't remember if I signed up with this, this one already. And that was back, you know, early on when these first started. Now you have to be right place, right time, which again is going to reward the people who spend more time on a computer or have a surrogate who can, who can spend more time on a computer for them. And really quick, again, when, when the department of health and the, the wolf administration keep preaching equality and efficiency and this the system as you're hearing is 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 neither right now all right here's the senator's response so you're right this is once again another argument for why we need to centralize the distribution of this we need to have one central answer repository so that when people come and say should i be getting on multiple lists there is one answer and the answer is a fair and good assessment of how the distribution is being done. I think to be incredibly transparent and fair, I understand the urge that people have to get on as many lists as possible. You know, I I talked earlier about my husband who has cancer. That's our urge too in my household. Our urge is to look at every single pharmacy that's around us, uh, you know, within a a hundred mile radius and say, how many lists can I get on so that someone will call me so that I can get in the line for this. I understand the urge and I completely um, can relate to it. And all I can say is that we are fighting here every day to try to do better, to make sure that we're holding the Department of Health not just accountable, but that we're demanding that they streamline this system and improve it for every one of our community members. And if that means more collaboration with the counties, then let's do that. Let's collaborate more in a way that can be effective so that the information that's going to our constituents is consistent, it's it's accurate, and it, it restores their faith that the process is working for them. And I think it's important to note here, going back to what she said before about people are willing, people have voiced, look, if I'm in line and I know I'm in line and I know that eventually they're going to get to me and I know where I stand in that line, I'm fine with waiting. The problem is when that communication's not there, people are going to keep digging and they're going to find ways to make sure that they're getting it. And that means line jumping. And you can't really blame people for that if they if they if there's no communication and no information and they're concerned about a loved one who has uh, you know pre-existing conditions and and a job that's putting them in danger without that communication without the clarity of you're in line i'm sorry there are a lot of people in line in front of you but it'll be two and a half weeks it'll be three weeks if people could get that information as you're hearing from the senator there would likely be less working behind the scenes and more equality and everyone standing patiently waiting in line yeah. More transparency is rarely a bad thing. Let's move on to the, the, the last 
part of this interview, and uh, it's your question, Jim. Here we go. It, it was brought up a lot during the hearing yesterday that there wasn't any what what can the legislature do to assist the Department of Health? And that seemed to be also a common theme. If you have time, can you say what you as a senator need or want from the Department of Health to help them? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an incredible question. And you're right, we did hear it a lot, the, the theme of what can the legislature do here. I will say that there have been many um, barriers with this rollout that are really with the administration and the Department of Health, but I'm not going to let my colleagues on the other side of the aisle off the hook either. My colleagues who enjoy a majority in the Senate and in the House, in our legislature, they have opportunities to enact measures that are really going to be more beneficial for our community members. A lot of that includes, you know, funding mechanism, uh, making sure that we have uh, infrastructure support. These are things that we can do legislatively and we can demand of the department if we're able to work in a unified manner. So I'm not just here to say that this all falls on the Department of Health. The legislature has a lot of accountability here, too, and we have a lot of uh, a role to play here as well. So there are definitely things we can do just as in the initial stages of the virus when legislation was introduced to ensure PPE supplies to our frontline workers to make sure that testing was prioritized for frontline workers. There are absolutely things we can do on a legislative level to help streamline this system. And um, I, I, for one, would would join my colleagues in making those efforts get across the finish line and get them to the governor's desk so that we can really amplify how uh, effective this system can be for Pennsylvanians. Jim, just for somebody who's not really up to speed with Harrisburg and how that works, how functional is is Pennsylvania's um, <laughs> elected representative? <laughs> There's been a, a brutal knockdown drag out fight between the General Assembly, which is a Republican majority, and the uh, the governor's office. Governor Wolf, who is, is a Democrat, and I'll let people decide who they think is right in all of that. But but Senator Collette is voicing uh, frustration because she feels that these things should have been in place previously. And, and you know, the, the other side of that, another state senator from our area, uh, Bob Mancha, Republican, uh, in part of that hearing, uh, a quote that I thought kind of really sum things up because a lot of the issue is from the federal government. As you mentioned, states just kind of left to come up with their own plans and a supply that wasn't, it wasn't clear, you know, how much they had, how much was, was available. But he said, we have a real downstream mess. It's not just the federal government. In other words, the federal government has issues, but the state needs to be more organized and that's across the board the 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 wolf administration the legislature uh, you know on down to the county health departments all right and just a, a quick lightning round of questions to close this out how on an island do you think pennsylvania this area is right now or how many you know do you, are most states dealing with this are some states nailing this and others not yeah, I, I think one of the biggest challenges for Pennsylvania is the the 65 and up population. And uh, there's been frustration across the state that that hasn't been properly taken into account. Uh, I want to say Pennsylvania's top five in the country in, in 65 plus population. So, so no, Pennsylvania is not alone in dealing with the frustration, but where Pennsylvania has struggled 
and based on CDC numbers has been at or near the bottom in the number of shots received and the number of shots administered. That's where the Wolf administration's taken a beating over the last two weeks is, is that percentage of how many shots you've been given and how many shots you've been able to get into and get into to someone's arm. Uh, and that's where people are looking and saying, look, other states are, are blowing our doors off. Now, why is that? You know, Pennsylvania is an extremely diverse state where you have the Philadelphia suburbs. Philadelphia is getting their vaccine directly from the federal government because they're one of the top five largest cities. So Department of Health doesn't have to worry about allocating to Philadelphia, but it does have to allocate to all the collar counties and it does have to allocate to Allegheny County. And then it does have to allocate to all those rural counties where they don't have health departments. Most states and most counties in Pennsylvania don't have health departments. We're unique here in Southeastern PA in that we do. And so they're frustrated. The county health departments are frustrated because they're kind of being cut out of the equation. But the state government's looking at it. The state health department's looking at it and saying, well, sure, you can help out in Montgomery or Bucks or Chester counties, but what about these other counties that don't? We need to come up with a one-size-fits-all plan. What you're hearing in this interview with Senator Collette is, why aren't these questions getting answered? This frustration at the state level of, why are we so bad compared to other states uh, when it comes to that percentage of allocated and administered? And, and, you know, the state has their reasons. They say there's a reporting delay when if you look at all the vaccine that's sent this week and say, you know, the state got 200,000 this week. Well, it could be that 100,000 of those arrived on Friday. And so whatever outlet got them is planning on Monday to administer them. And then they have three days till they report it. So it looks like, sure, you know, those things, it was a week and a half before they were were actually administered when the reality is it's just, you know, a couple days. Jim, what's uh, the biggest question that you still have about Pennsylvania's vaccine rollout that you've yet to see answered? I am waiting to hear a good reason for the lack of a centralized or even regionalized signup. There has got to be a better way, and it, it shouldn't take this long to come up with that. I asked the governor last week, and even he said, yeah, you're right. Uh, this doesn't appear to be working. And maybe we should be looking at, you know, I, I had asked about a centralized sign-up, and he, he said maybe even, even regionalized. But the time has come. And, and you're hearing from, from, in that hearing, most of the senators are concerned about the, just the confusion of, as, as Senator Collette said, people understand there's a shortage. People will wait in line if they feel like it's fair and equitable and they know that they are that they're going to get to them in, in, in the order that they should. But because of this scattershot approach where you're signing up, you, you start doing it and you forget, wait, did I already get this pharmacy? I don't remember. And on the, the pharmacy end of it, then judging by the list where it says we're full, we can't take any more signups at this time they're struggling because they're getting so many people signing up. And as I said before, once you reconstitute the vaccine, you have six hours. If somebody doesn't show up, you have to scramble and find somebody to get that. And if you have all these different waiting lists and people are on five or six or seven or eight different ones, the chance of someone not showing up increases dramatically. That question has not, in my opinion, 
been effectively answered. It's been talking points of, well, we're always looking at ways of improving the situation. And we're always working with our provider partners to see the best way to do this. Great. We understand that. Finish the sentence. There, there's another part of that sentence in what what could or should be done or why you feel that this is this is a better system. Jim Miller, you're the Suburban Bureau Chief, Care of News Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for an hour and talking about what is both maybe the most important issue right now in Pennsylvania, and also it seems to be one of the most frustrating. This was this was great. Let's let's talk about like I don't know. Let's let's do a D and D campaign or something next time. A little bit less less frustrating. <laughs> and uh, we'll end it here. I'll let you. Um, I have an outro from you in the can, so we'll, we'll play that out to end this episode. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Jim Melwork. We'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>